You're listening to the Arise Church Podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Arise Church. Uh, what a great time of worship. I hope that you're drawing to Christ right now. And uh, for those of you who aren't a part of Arise Church, we just want to give you a warm hello and uh, thank you for whoever you are and wherever you may be this morning. And uh, we hope that this will be an enrichment time for you. Um, I have a question. Have you found that Facebook debates, you know, when people start uh, really getting a thread going, have you found that a Facebook debate where people are uh, scripture twisting and there's uh, unbecoming Christian conduct on there, have you found that that's something that people have embraced and on their way to coming to who Christ is? Probably not, right? Um, our unbelieving, our atheist, our agnostic, our de-churched friends simply see that distortion, they see that fighting, and they are probably repelled by it. Let me ask you a few other questions. Have you ever heard somebody say, I was judged into Christ? Have you ever heard somebody say, because of my political views and the way Christians came up against me, I felt their condemnation, and, and I felt that that judgment led me to Christ. I've never in my life heard something like that, or better yet, uh, because of my sexual orientation and the judgment that was on me from people that I knew supposedly loved God, I then came to know Christ. I think as we become honest with ourselves as Christians this morning. I'll be talking to Christians and those of you who are not yet Christians, but I, I wanna start off with an honest conversation to say, sometimes when somebody claims Christ, but their life is very different, it's called hypocrisy. When they live comfortably in their sin, but they keep claiming the things of scripture, this can be very repulsion, repelling to people, should I say. In fact, or better yet, sometimes we see Christians and all that they have is a hold of the Christian world, the Christian needs, the Christian words, the Christian culture, and they seem to have rejected what's happening in the world. Or they seem out of touch. Or, or worse yet, they are so bogged down in this so-called bubble that they have no friends outside of that bubble. Or if they do have a friend, they consider them a project. Maybe you've felt like somebody's religious project before. Well, the Bible today is going to show us, it's going to relieve us, it's going to guide us and empower us to show us how we actually are to bring the mystery of Christ to our culture. Before I open to Colossians 4, verse 2 through 6, I'd like to have some prayer and ask God to speak to all of us at this time. Will you join me in some prayer? Lord God, 
we are amazed at what you've been teaching us through the book of Colossians. You've, you've showed, showed us that Christ, you are to be exalted, and you showed us all of the uh, majestic ways that we can exalt you and that we must see you. And so we see who you are and your nature and your essence, Jesus. And then we see through this book of Colossians how you use Paul to teach us that we are now alive in Christ and that we can put off an old self and that there's a new life for us. And, and Lord, you teach us how to be in community. You teach us how to embrace one another. So not just exalting Christ and embracing one another, but now, Lord, you're speaking through this book to how we should engage in culture. And so, Lord, will you please illuminate for us? Will you please make the stumbling blocks disappear? Will you be powerful in your love and speaking through the Holy Scriptures to us? Holy Spirit, have your way during this time of learning for us. Help us to receive what you have to say. We love you, God, and we're grateful that you join us here and that you feed us through your, your word because you're a good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus, that you made this possible. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this is uh, going to be uh, a really exciting time because this is something that I believe a lot of people can really learn from. I know myself, I feel humbled as I see these scriptures we're about to approach. So let me read it for you. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it and with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, Paul has showed us who Christ is and what Christ has done. Now he has showed us who we are and what we're to do. And so as we receive this gospel, as we receive what God has given us, He's going to give us a few markers here as to what we are to do. So this is a what we are to do type message. This is a call to action. This is a response to all that we've heard of the gospel as it pertains to us. And so I'll give you a few things. If you're, a, uh, if you're writing notes this morning, there's some real simple stopping points that we're going to see. We're going to see on our way on how to bring forth the mystery of the gospel to culture. We're going to see that we are to be prayerful. Prayerful for one another. So we're asking for prayer and we're giving prayer for one another. We are to be watchful. So in that prayer, it creates a watchfulness in us. The next thing we'll see is it creates, we are to be thankful. So there's a thankfulness, there's a thanksgiving that runs and flows from us. And then there's to be fruitful. So to be prayerful, to be watchful, to be thankful, and to be fruitful. And so as we, as we unpack this, I, I uh, just want to invite you into writing down some things that the Holy Spirit would bring upon you. 
So let's dive right in. We're going to stay real close to the scripture here. So if you don't have your Bible, please grab your Bible. I know that we'll be putting the the scripture on, uh, but I'd really love for you to see for yourself. Starting with verse 2, it says, continue steadfastly, right? It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So what I think, and this is some conjecture, so give me some a little leeway here. I think Paul is, is thinking of the church and how the church has come together and what God has done for us in Acts as, as the church was birthed. So in Acts 2.42, you see prayer. You see them in fellowship. You see them beginning to live a rhythm. And so as he's saying, continue steadfastly, he's saying, teach, be in fellowship, and pray. And I, I think that He's getting us into this rhythm. I think for sure as we consider bringing the word of God, bringing the gospel of good news, bringing the mystery of things to be revealed to our friends and culture, we, we get to see that it's a lifestyle. It's a rhythm. And so I think he's going off of that rhythm of what the Holy Spirit deposited into the church. And so we continue steadfastly. It makes me think of a football team that my boys really loved a few years back, the Oregon Ducks, with Chip Kelly as their coach. They were known for no huddle offenses, but they were continuing steadfastly. They were advancing the ball. And I think this is the kind of prayer that Paul is putting us into. There's, there's kind of an intensity to it. There's, there's a, a, for sure a focus, and that's why he leads us to say this. Continue steadfastly, but be watchful. Be focused in this. Be present, right? Can I just put something out here? In the book of John, in John 14, 12, Jesus says, you will do greater things. So as you think continually, steadfastly, as as you are getting your directives from the Lord, as you are receiving vertically what we are to be doing horizontally, there's, there's a movement, there's an excitement. We're seeing good things happen. And so If you know that there's great things coming up, you are going to be watchful. During COVID, I've been watching some sports shows that they're replaying. Well, I know that who's going to win. And when it's my team, the Dodgers, I love to anticipate and have watchful eyes over the way that they're going to win. And it brings me great joy. And so when I make myself familiar with God's game plan and his victory over all time, revelatory of a celebration, I get that watchful. I receive that kind of anticipation in what God has for me to be a part of doing greater things. This is God's plan for us to do greater things. Are you sitting in your living room wondering how you will come out of COVID? God has greater things for you. This is a pause, a sailor. You've heard people talk in society about, oh, the, the earth is resting, people are resting. That's right, but God's never resting. And when we're in prayer with him, we're continually steadfast. You can be doing something extremely active right now, according to this scripture, is that you can be in a prayer life of steadfast movement forward. And we're watching, we're not watching our social media, we're not watching how many likes we have, 
we're not watching the cues of, of a relationship or a romance. Or we're, we're, those are things we get intent about, right? We look at the, the sports score. We look at what, the way people receive what we said on social media. We look at our work. I'm always looking at my work, and I'm looking at Slack, or I'm looking at uh, emails. But I watch intently on those things. But he's saying, no, get your mind off of that. Come with me as we move the ball forward. We continue steadfastly and watch this, son. Watch this, daughter. This is where we'll be. And so God is talking to us. God, we are receiving what he's asking us, what he's going to show for us. But we're in anticipation, right? And he says this. He says, be steadfast in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. But be thankful it's a thanksgiving. The, the word is actually, uh, comes from Eucharist, Eucharista. It's a Greek word that basically brings the spirit, uh, an intimate, an intimate spirit, an intimate thanksgiving as you come to commune with God and you find out God's plan for this world. It's God preparing us to be able to take the mystery of, of the gospel to our culture. Many times we think, oh, I just need to speak it. No, there's, there's much preparation before we get to bring the beauty of the gospel. The gospel's not beautiful when it's you working something or thinking you have a particular way to say the things of Christ. It's a work of the spirit. It's not on your shoulders. But this is where it starts. God is inviting you into the conversation, the Eucharista. God is bringing you into this place of intimate relationship. And you know what he does during this time? It's incredible. If you were to be this intent and this steadfast and this watchful, he will fill your heart and you will have an immense desire to see people come to know Jesus. Remember the Thanksgiving? You will start to anticipate, I think my friend is going to come to know Jesus. I think that family across the street, they're starting to get it. That guy who I talked to seemingly randomly in the coffee shop, he's actually asking questions now. And there's an anticipation prayerfully, maybe the way that you were anticipating that stimulus check. Maybe the way you thought, oh, it's coming. I, I feel thankful because it's on its way. And maybe you have banked on your own salvation because you know it's on its way. You can see it fully. You know what's better than that, by the way? Jesus. Jesus. You love your salvation, and you should. But do you know that you are going to be with Jesus? And when you love Jesus and you're in an intimate, thanksgiving, watchful, steadfast relationship with Jesus, he will fill you so much you can't be contained. God's power will come through you to move towards this world. And so there we are, right? We're a community steeped in prayer. Look what he says. He says, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Verse three, at the same time, pray for us also. I alluded to that, right? We're across pollinating, talking to God. There's this, there's this movement, there's this rhythm, there's this lifestyle for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Pray for us, why? Because he's gonna tell you what's up. 
He's going to tell you where it'll be up. He's going to get your attention. He's going to move you by his power. And you know what he's doing? And if you are listening and you're not a part of Arise Church, or you're not a part of any church, you need to know that this is a community event. We assist one another. We listen to one another as God's using each in their own giftings. Each person's so unique. You need to know you have a unique place in God's kingdom. And, and that sounds abstract. You have a unique place in God's body, the church. That's not abstract. It's just as you are. It's who you are. God wants to use us together to do this. This isn't a one-person job. Oh, that's just the evangelist. That's the guy who's good at talking, or it's the apologetics guy, the guy who can defend our faith. Those are wonderful things, but it's really beautiful when all of this is steeped by the Holy Spirit through prayer with one another. So when I join you for praying your Father into God's kingdom through Jesus Christ and his understanding of the gospel, we rejoice together. There's nothing alone. It's a big party is what's going on. So, could it be that God is saying, be prayerful, be watchful, be thankful in anticipation of how and when I'll open the door? Could it be that God's just bringing his kids along like a big old family in a station wagon? I can relate to that. Pastor Steve can relate to that. Where we're on our way somewhere. We got crazy anticipation. We got all kinds of community conversation. Sometimes it drives us nuts, but we got conversation going on. We're going somewhere. We're steadfast on this journey. This is us, church. This is who we are. This is our papa. He's fully driving. He's bringing us home, and we're steeped in this. You know what we're like? We're like, we're like a hound dog. He's got us on the hunt. He's told us there are things going on out here. And through this prayer, we're in such anticipation. We're just, who needs you, Lord? How will you use me today? How will you use my friends? What do you want us to be praying for, Lord? Oh, Lord, as the Psalms say, as deep calls to deep. I just passed that ocean this morning. As, as the waves caress over as the, as, as the waves break over, as the waterfall uh, is, is loud and thunderous, he gives us this beautiful picture and all of it steeps down into the deep calling to deep. God has put us on the hunt to be used by him to go to the very intimate, ridiculous depth of a person's soul. This is a great privilege we have. I'm excited to bring this to you. Here's the problem. Sometimes we're just, we're not interested. We're not looking for a door to open. We're looking for ourselves. My paycheck, my spouse, that's all I can handle. You've counted yourself out. God's not asking you to, to, to get yourself together to be a part of this. Some of you say, oh, that's for pastors, or we have a strategy at our church for that. No, this is on you, Christian. It's wrong for you to count yourself out. It breaks my heart that you may be counting yourself out. We're a thankful people, and we're so thankful for what Christ has done for us. 
We're a servant people. We want to serve him and his ways, and it is mysterious. Mysterious, by the way, when we say this and the scripture says this, the mystery of Christ. Mystery just means it's something that hasn't been revealed. That mystery was revealed to you and I. See, there was an open door moment that's affected all of history. There was one faithful one that didn't need to be preached to. He was in that intimate relationship I was talking about where he continued steadfastly after he left his throne and came to be with us. And he prayed. He invited his disciples then to be watchful. And when the father said so, because he was an obedient son, he went to the cross. That's where God decided to reveal to all of mankind the goodness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's where God revealed the gospel on the largest way, in the most impactful way, by a perfect, sinless, unblemished Lamb of God going to the cross. Jesus was prayerful. Look at John 17. Jesus knew to be on on the watch. You know why also? Because if we're not praying, we will be punked. There is an enemy, a slithering, low, good-for-nothing enemy that is here to steal, kill, and destroy and wants to come up against the revealing of God's gospel. And so Jesus prayed watchfully and in thanksgiving went to the cross for us because the door was opened by the Father at that time. So what we're doing is we're becoming like the Savior in his ways. We're learning by the Spirit to be moment catchers. His time was was there. He captured that moment. He, He did the mission. He completed everything that was asked of him. And God will bring you into your many moments. And will we catch them? Will we be in anticipation? God, are you opening a door here? And many times we go, well, what will I do? And that's the good news of the rest of this message. It's going to say, here's how you do that. So Jesus Christ revealed the mystery of the gospel because what was veiled and not plainly seen was, has now been plainly seen. We, we understand what the mystery is. Now, the really beautiful, cool, fun thing about God is he's continuously revealing. That's what the gospel is. Our relationship is of an eternal nature. And so you don't learn something and go, check, I've got that. That's, that keeps us humble. That keeps us in prayer. That keeps us watchful. What's next, Lord? And so we see that God, look at verse 4. We see that God is showing us through Paul's writing how we can introduce the mystery. So we see that God opens the door, right? God opens doors, those mystery moments. Eternity, I can't help but think that eternity is built off of these moments. It's just been moments. 
That's how I came to Christ. It's moments. I could probably show you several moments. So it's not this big moment maybe, but God, God grows us. We, we learn and we grow in this, in some of these uncomfortable moments where we're scared to, to, to share the gospel, where we're scared to talk about the things of God. So God's going to show us how to do this. And I think it's real low-hanging fruit. So let's go back to verse 4. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So he's saying, be clear. Be, be plain. Walk in a wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. And this is, I want to get us here as well to verse 6, because 4 and 6 are going to talk about speech and behavior and who we are. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. So clear, wise, gracious and seasoned are you good at speaking about the things of God with clarity I'm not always are you always wise I'm not always am I always gracious absolutely not is it seasoning does it taste good every time I open my mouth no. I have a problem. I can't even do what seems to be, I just said it was low-hanging fruit. This seems like it should be an easy how. I can't be clear and wise and gracious and seasoned unless I'm steeped in all that prayer, unless the Holy Spirit's moving through me, unless it's a moment where God's opening the door. Have you ever seen Christians try and open the door? It's kind of ugly. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove this down your, I'm, I'm going to open the door and tell you Jesus is the answer. Or the door's wide open and some of us are like, no, I wasn't made for that. I'm not doing that. I'm, so I don't know where you're at on that, but I do know that all of us are invited into a powerful intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit where he will show us, yeah, you've been praying. Yes, you've been steadfast. You've been watchful. Yes, you have been thankful. You are in right anticipation. This is the type of stuff that God does. Boom, the doors open and we moved and we put the mystery of the gospel before our friends and we prayed, Lord, reveal yourself. I can't do anything. I can't tap dance. I can't move in a way. I can't orchestrate this. This has to be a move of your spirit. But thank you, we get to be a part of this. And when that person receives Christ, I don't know what it's been like for you. I've watched friends that have been through hell. I've watched friends through brokenness and molestation. I watched one friend uh, get uh, pictures of them put on the internet. I've watched friends be stolen from. I've watched so many friends be hurt and wonder, does God even care for them? And I've watched other friends who think they're the king of the hill and they think they've got it all made and what do I need God for? I'm, I'm good looking, I'm wealthy, I have the perfect wife and the perfect kids and I went to the perfect school. And in all of this, God goes, no, 
You come to me. You are broken and you are lost without me. You are all blind and God has revealed himself to the whole spectrum. Don't ever stop being a part of this process. If today you are a Christian and you're just down in the dumps because somebody you love very dearly has not seen the door open and the mystery of the gospel has not been revealed as we see here in this scripture, be steadfast. Be continuous in prayer and bring us in. Don't hold any of that alone, okay? And so we will be fruitful. That's our final one. Because where does this walking in wisdom come from? Well, we saw earlier in Colossians, Colossians 3.16. It said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Here we go. I said it's a lifestyle and it's a rhythm. All wisdom, singing and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. With what? We've been praying about this. With thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Here we go. This is a rhythm. When he says this in verse 5, walk in wisdom towards your outsiders, towards outsiders. First of all, that's a go-to structure, not a come-to structure. That's not come to church, come to me, come to my ways. That's a go-to with, through all of this prayer, God has put you on that hunt, right? And I don't mean that negatively if you're listening and you're like, these Christians are trying to hunt me. That's not what I mean. What I mean is there's a, there's a rhythm, there's a beauty, You know when a song is just playing in your head and it's just moving you? That's what this gospel does. It moves in a beautiful way and the spirit moves and goes outside of things that you would have put together as an equation. It moves beyond. So when you are done and you've been in this state where you've walked in this wisdom and you've gone to where God is having you walk and you're steeped in this 316 Colossians, you're dwelling in it, it's rich, and you're just spitting wisdom. You don't even know where you got it, but you're saying stuff that is far beyond your intellect, that is far beyond your experience that's what it is it's a rhythm so when we go outside to the person who for whatever reason has never known that they are to be inside the family we are winsome we're a mess but it's a beautiful mess because before that person because we are confessing our hypocrisy they can see what God's doing in our lives That's what we can be clear and wise about. That's where we can be gracious towards another fellow imperfect person. We can be clear, wise, gracious, and seasoned in that, and we can be spitting wisdom like it's a rhythm because we're dwelling with God. Second Corinthians says this as we walk in wisdom. Second Corinthians 5 says we're ambassadors, that God is making his appeal to that outside world to where we're to walk in wisdom and have that rhythm, that God is seeing us as ambassadors. He's making his appeal to his unadopted children through us. So we need to realize that that we are repping the kingdom. And here's what's interesting is we're dual citizens. Some of you are. Dual citizenship. We were born of the flesh. We're born of this earth. It's the humus, the human, the humor, the humility. We're down to earth. We, we, we know we were born to that. 
We feel that. But on the other hand, and some of us rejoice in this, you know that you were born of the Spirit. You're a citizen of the kingdom. You have a new constitution. You have a new way. You have a new communion. You have a new rhythm. And God is speaking concisely and wisely and graciously and in a seasoned way as a master chef through your life. And so you have this dual citizenship, and it's like speaking Spanglish. Yo, bro, I got no dinero. That's English and Spanish. But bottom line, whatever language, I'm broke. But I'm working it. We're learning how to be gospel fluent. We're learning to know the words and the ways of God. We're not speaking Christianese. We may need to define some things that naturally come from the Bible through us, but we're translating And we're not putting people down. This isn't to be puffed up and arrogant because of the things we know of God's culture. So we are dual citizens in this ambassadorship. And what we're looking for, just to remind you again of what the scripture says is, we're praying, we're watchful, we're thankful for that door to come open. Because we feel that secular, sometimes we, we just, we don't dwell richly the way that Colossians 3.16 says. And so sometimes we feel different and very fabricated. But he's saying there's a sacred moment. And can I just stop for a second to talk to you who may not have Jesus and some of what I'm even speaking this morning is foreign to you? God does move in mysterious ways. I know that that's probably been a weird, um, just a discarded type statement to explain something that somebody didn't explain, rather. And so God, he works in mysterious ways we don't know. But I just want you to know, if you're listening, maybe today, maybe by reading this scripture in, in Colossians 4, 2 through 6, that Maybe this is a door opening. Maybe the door is being opened for you. Maybe when I said the greatest moment in history, as we're learning to be moment catchers, God captured the moment of all of history and of all of mankind, and you need to see that. And maybe you need to see that God's been reaching through to you from the secular, meaning the everyday, and bringing you into what is a mystery is the sacred. A new meaning, a new purpose, a new way. That's what God's trying to teach us, those who know Christ. And we've failed at it. Probably failed at reaching and speaking to you, my friend. But I'm praying that God is working through, that you can see we're, we're flubbing through this. In our dual citizenship, we lack a fluency to speak how beautiful and wondrous God is. I would ask you, after this is over, that you would pray. That you would pray that God would open doors for you to see who he is. And that you would seek and knock and look. You knock on that door. But as we walk, I'll go back to us as believers. As we walk in wisdom and we walk toward the outsiders, I just want to remind you of a few things. One that for us to go to the outside world, it's very unbecoming to condemn culture. 
That's one. Condemning culture seems to be in our toolbox as Christians in America. We condemn things, we belittle things, we're extremely um, powerful at debate, we try to expose things, and we seem like we're the Gestapo. We seem like we're a militant-type people. And I, I want to apologize to you if you're listening that you've ever felt that from Christians. We condemn culture. We're afraid of it at times. But you know what the great irony is? Is our Savior did not go, I'm going to walk around in a hermetically sealed and drive in a Pope mobile and make sure I'm protected and, and uh, protected from you because you're contaminated. No, he went in every way and got in. Remember I said that secular is kind of the dirt, the real? God came to the real. So he didn't come condemning culture. We don't read a bunch of stuff where he's always condemning everything and everybody. What he's doing is building bridges like with the woman at the well who was nothing like him. In every category, she was not him. But he made himself seen to her. He revealed the mystery of the gospel. He was intentional and steadfast. He reached out to her and a mini revival happened with her friends and her family. And the do- she saw the door open. The other thing we do, number two, one, we condemn culture. Two, we critique it. We deconstruct it because we react from fear. We, we are not in prayer as we've been instructed to be so. We're not thanksgiving. If we're, if we're not intimately relating and thankful for what God has done for us, then what we do is we take it upon ourselves to tear a bunch of stuff apart to make ourselves feel better about what we found in Christ. But to critique and deconstruct makes the world say, I don't believe you. If that's how you have to live your life is tearing me down, what you have must not be great. When God himself has instructed us to edify, it means we're to be building up one another. We should be good at not critiquing and deconstructing. We should be people that are really good at So if you're wondering how to reach somebody on the outside of the faith or beyond knowing Jesus, go build them up. That's an incredibly effective, pragmatic way to to serve somebody. And then three, we copy culture. When I was a youngster, uh, I used to go surf in Mexico and we'd stop in Tijuana all the time. And we stopped to get just different gear. So we liked polo or we liked Rolex. And in Tijuana, they had the fake version. This is what Christians seem to do. They seem to copy the culture with this counterfeit whatever. And so the world goes, I'm totally unimpressed. That artist is clearly inspired by something and they're living and and they have a rhythm and they have a lifestyle. 
And God's called us to a rhythm and a lifestyle. But our citizenship shows purity and it has something distinct about it. And there's a taste, there's a graciousness and a wisdom to our art. So we shouldn't be following around the culture of the world. We have the creator of the universe that should be instructing us that we're watching, that we're praying for, that we're listening. He'll show us how to reveal it in amazing ways beyond yourself. And it may be amazingly simple. It may be amazingly plain. You have to leave that up to him. But we shouldn't be critiquing the culture, condemning the culture, and copying the culture. God has a culture through his people of which we've been instructed in the Lord's Prayer to pray that your kingdom come, thy will be done. You want to talk about monster art, monster beauty, monster love, monster care, monster joy, monster everything. Not monstrous, but beautiful and uplifting and building. And that is what the world is waiting for. They're unimpressed when we copy them. They're unimpressed when we deconstruct them. God is asking to build his kingdom, which looks nothing like their kingdom. That's the whole point. We don't go chasing that. It's temporal. It's going to stink real soon. It's going to, the moths and the flies and the rot will get to it. That's why he said, speak with seasoning and salt. He's saying, extract the putrid. Be a, nothing to do with that. Have to do with with the goodness of God and the taste of God. I'm going to catch my breath. But we are not called to just consume what everyone does. So when we are wise in our walking, one, we're not condemning culture. Two, we're not critiquing, deconstructing. Three, we're not copying the culture. Four, we don't give up and just consume the culture. I do that. I do that with my diet. I just give up and eat hog because I don't want to be steadfast. I'm afraid to be watchful. I lose my thanksgiving. I'm looking for no doors open. I'm talking just physically. And then I just consume. If you've given up, I hope you hear today the Spirit of God calling you back in the game if you've been discouraged by being a Christian in wherever you're at, I welcomed you this morning. Wherever you're at, whoever you are, I want God to light you up. I want him to invigorate your faith. I want you to know that he does impossible things. He is supernatural. But he's going to work a process, one that causes you to come back to him. So as we land this, here's the fifth one, to cultivate the kingdom culture, which I already talked about. But Jesus... In John 18, 36, he says, my kingdom's not of this world. So we have great heights. We have great vision. We have greater things ahead of us. And we see in Jesus, if I had more time, I would show you how Jesus in the scriptures, and maybe this is something you can take upon your, yourself this week, is to look at how Jesus is in culture. Look at the things that Jesus accepts. Look at the things that he transforms, like teaching itself. He accepted teaching in the synagogue and standing to read the scripture, Isaiah 61. But we see that he transformed teaching, so he taught from the hillside. He taught from a boat. We see that he rejected, most of the time, rejecting religious culture, religious ways. But we see that he's, in all things, transforming Flipping the script, moving your mind, getting your heart beating differently, 
as he calls you in. When's the last time you ate with an unbeliever? That's one way that Jesus went into culture. All about the meals. When's the last time you were concerned and praying for somebody that you knew was far from God, but you were intimidated that they were so far from God? Maybe God's calling you to be watchful in that relationship and anticipate a thanksgiving. Not the stimulus check, but the salvation for that person. See, Let's close with this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12 says this, and I think this is really important. I'm closing with this because some of us struggle so much, but I think sometimes when we're reminded of our own journey, when we're reminded of where we came from, we see that somebody else was praying for us steadfastly. We see that somebody else was watching patiently with the Lord as they prayed, as they received the word. They were waiting for your door to open and they were full of thanksgiving. And when you finally saw that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that he was here to save you and he's going to redeem you fully and you will be resurrected in the, in the day where every, all death becomes life and judgment, but the consummation and the glorification of God himself and our relationship, the day you started to understand, you didn't understand all of it, but that day after they had been praying, they were filled with joy because of that fruit. But we need to remember where we once were. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen here. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You were there, I was there. God's calling us. God's calling us to be fruitful in this prayer progression and a working of our hearts as we become moment catchers, as we learn how he opens doors and only God opens doors. It's a new atmosphere. It's a place of the kingdom. It's his presence. It's how he speaks and moves. I'll close with a super quick story about a little boy that I met years ago. His name is Bird, named after the jazz musician. His name's Bird Sanchez. He was six years old at the time. Him and his mother used to come to the property that our church owned and we, we built 16 to 20 gardens every year. And Bird planted the seed in that garden and he would come every day and he would ask his mama, mama, when will it grow? When will it grow? One day it sprouted up. And he got really excited. And he said, is, is that the zucchini? Or is that the cucumber? And she said, that's the cucumber. And he was in anticipation. He was watchful. He was steadfast. He was waiting for it to be fruitful, right? But he was in thanksgiving knowing there's going to be some zucchinis and, and cucumbers coming, but this cucumber's gonna come. Well, it became a vine and the cucumber grew. And Bird and his mom, Kathleen, and me got to pick a bunch of those fruits and vegetables that day. 
And we got to go across the street and with graciousness and a very small semblance of wisdom, but it was all seasoned in salt. We had the, the wit, the gospel, common sense. We had the fruit to give to the neighbors who couldn't afford organic food. And for that little boy, he learned how to be watchful and to be thankful. And when the time came, he watched a whole bunch of doors open to where he saw fruit associated with those open doors. That's what God's calling us to. Will we be a faithfully prayerful community, watching and anticipating and watching the Lord move so we see all kinds of doors all over open up in this county so that there will be much fruit? I hope so. I hope we'll pray to that end. Thank you.